buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, what's happening? Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. As always, today I've got a fantastic guest for you. I've got Fred Diamond. This is somebody I've been wanting to have on for quite some time, and he is just such a busy guy that it took a while to make it happen. So today we've got Fred Diamond, and I'm very excited. Uh, Fred Diamond is the co-founder of the Institute for Excellence in Sales and the host slash producer of the award-winning Sales Game Changers podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. If you've never checked it out, I highly recommend it. Uh, Fred, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Colin. It's great to see you. Transformation is one of my favorite words. So I'm thrilled. And uh, just a quick note for your listeners, I'm really not that busy. So if anybody <laughs> wants to see me or talk to me or take me out for lunch, I'm, uh, I'm always, I can always make time. Well, I know that you are, you know, on a crazy recording schedule all the time and guest on podcasts frequently. So um, maybe, maybe my perception was a little off, but uh, I know that I see you posting stuff, doing stuff all of the time, doing all kinds of good work yeah, for the sales community. Uh, so I made that assumption. So there you go. Fred Diamond is not as busy as I said. And if you want to connect with him, make it happen. Fred, let's just jump right in here. You know, when did you get into sales? And let's dig into your sales transformation story, because I'm sure there's going to be tons of learning lessons that we can pull out of there. Yeah. Hey, I just want to hit on one quick thing about the concept of busy, because that's something that I think people really need to get their arms around. Whenever I hear people say, oh, I'm so busy, I like to say that Obama used to take an hour every day to play basketball. So if the president of the United States can take an hour to care about himself, you could easily fit people into your schedule. So uh, so you know, here's my sales journey real quick. Most of my career was in marketing, but my first job was with McGraw-Hill Publishing. I was a technical editor and I was uh, analyzing tech companies, which is how I mm. got into tech marketing. But we sat right next to the salespeople. So we had this uh, team of about mm, 10 outbound sales guys. I think they were all guys. And uh, I would hear them talk on the phone and I would hear them talk about the meetings they were going to have. And, and I said, you know what? If it weren't for these guys, we would have no reason to write these journals that we were writing back in the, uh, in the mid 80s. So I was always uh, focused and enamored on the role in sales. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, I was in marketing at companies like Apple and Compact Computer and a large software company called CompuWare. But I knew that our purpose was to make it easier for the salespeople. And I always said that my mission is to help the salespeople uh, eliminate any of the blocks that would keep them away from bringing in business for the company. Uh, Fast forward to a little bit towards the future, I became a independent marketing consultant uh, 
And my motto was uh, marketing that doesn't lead to revenue reward is a huge waste of time and money. So I was always, again, a big fan of the sales process. I, I used to spend as much time as I could with the salespeople. One of my first bosses at Apple said, the only value we're going to bring is if the salespeople trust us. So I would sit in as many meetings as I could. Uh, along the way, as a marketing consultant, Colin, I realized that I was getting hired typically by VPs of sales and sales wasn't happening. And one of the reasons why it wasn't happening was because marketing wasn't as strong as it could be. So I created mm. the Institute for Excellence in Sales uh, just outside of, well, in the Washington DC area where I'm based. And 2012, we just started doing programs for salespeople, mainly so that I could meet more sales VPs. And along the way, it just got more fun and it got more interesting. And I thought I was providing more value than I was as a marketing consultant. So now we run it full time. It's a global organization. Our mission is to help sales leaders acquire, retain, motivate, and elevate top tier talent. And one thing we do is every day we do a webcast. We were uh, honored to have you as a guest recently on our Optimal Sales Mindset Show, which we do every Thursday. And uh, every day we're doing a webinar for sales leaders around the globe. It's been a blast. Wow. Wow. Okay. What an incredible journey. Um, I want to kind of go back a little bit because I'm always, I'm always, um, I'm always fascinated with people that understand the sales side of the coin and the marketing side of the coin. And, you know, it's only not, not right now, but more, more recently that a lot of organizations are trying to get sales and marketing on the same page, trying to get them on the same team, getting them to report up to revenue or having, you know, some sort of alignment or respect for each other's role. But it sounds like you've been doing that type of work for, for quite some time and, and, and may have sort of leaded the charge on some of that stuff because before, you know, for a long time, it's always been marketing does their job. Sales does their job. They work in these separate silos and point fingers when things don't, when goals don't get hit. Right. And unfortunately that still happens in some organizations today. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to just get your thoughts on how sales and marketing teams can, you know, work better together. So that's a great question. And there's uh, two things that I read besides having some mentors that helped me understand this, but there was a classic book written by a guy named Sergio Zyman, Z-Y-M-A-N. And he wrote two books. He wrote The End of Advertising as We Know It and The End of Marketing as We Know It. And I'm not sure when, it might've been the 90s, he was the chief marketing officer for Coke, Coca-Cola Corporation. And he made the observation that they increased their marketing spend but sales of Coke's product, Coke products didn't increase. Mm -hmm. And he had the epiphany that something else is going on here, that it's really about sales. Uh, I've been very fortunate. When I was at Apple and when I was at Compaq, I luckily had a million dollar, multi-million dollar budgets to do marketing things. And I was doing tons of stuff. You know, that was back in the day. I was doing everything from advertising to seminars to putting our executives on cruise ships so they could meet with customers. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I couldn't tell you what I was doing was really impactful. It felt it was, you know, because people said, oh my God, that's a great ad campaign. Well, did it really help us achieving our goals, which was to drive revenue? Every company I've ever worked for, the number one goal was to grow revenue and continue to grow revenue. Uh, so was I helping with that? You know, I remember I had a long conversation when I was at Compaq with the uh, guy who ran brand at Compaq. It was one of the biggest uh, computer companies of all time in the, in the mid-90s before it got sold to, to HP and merged. And uh, the director of brand said, our goal is to be the number one brand so that more people will buy our products. You know, mm. any marketing stuff, uh, 
that is done well, that doesn't help either drive revenue or whatever else the corporate goals might be, is truly a waste of time and money. And the problem is not every marketer understands that. A lot of times marketing people think that their job is to put on a great event or their job is to put on a really crisp digital campaign or whatever it might be, or to have a great website. And that's important. That's not important if it's not going to help the corporation achieve its goals, which almost invariably come down to revenue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of money and time that gets wasted in marketing. And if, if, and I just know from, from people that I've talked to, you know, the teams that are really crushing those goals are the sales and marketing teams that are, have mutual respect for each other, are finding ways to work together, are finding, you know, salespeople are finding ways to make marketing's jobs e easier. Marketing is finding ways to make sales job easier. Well, you know, it's interesting because automation obviously has shifted a lot. And of course, of course, the internet. I remember I had a great moment. I was in uh, 1997 and I was with a company called CompuWare. It was a uh, digital, it was a mainframe software company that was moving to what was then called client server. So I was one of the product marketing directors for one of their clients, or actually for a couple of their client server products. And we launched a new product line. So we did a global tour. We did mm -hmm. 16 cities uh, around the world. And yeah, it was a lot of logistics involved and speakers and lunch and name tags and gifts. And we we're working on all those things. So I remember we uh, we did one in Belgium. It was the only time in my life I've ever been to Belgium. It was in Brussels. <laughs> and uh, we had 30 people there. And I felt good. We had 30 people giving us four hours of their time in Belgium. And I remember I was uh, that morning, I was with a woman. Her name was Irene. She was the director of the country of, for CompuWare in Belgium. And she said, I want to go through the list with you, the people who are coming today. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I know there's 30 people. Uh, sounds great. And she said, this person's not a prospect. This person's not a prospect. This person's a partner. So it's okay that he's here. This person's not a prospect. This person's unemployed. And she went down the list of the 30 people. And there was maybe two of the 30 that were going to be valuable to bring in revenue to the company, either wow. decision makers or people involved. And she said, program looks good, but it's probably not going to help us a whole lot. Now, I could always argue from a marketing perspective, well, the branding and well, we're having an event and we sent 10,000 emails and brochures. So, you know, there might be some messaging residualness, if that's a word, if you will. <laughs> but I remember thinking as I was leaving Belgium to go to Milan or wherever the next city was, that's interesting. That is what Irene, that was what her perception was of this event. Not that it was one of 16 on this roadshow and it was like a great presentation. And then we had a break with Danish and all that stuff. It was... Out of the 30 people who are coming, 28 are just here to eat our food. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. we already know one of the other two and, you know, the other person is a partner. So at that moment, I was kind of like, all right, well, what, what really is the value that we're providing here from the marketing perspective? And if it's not achieving the goal, which is to drive revenue, and it might be something else, maybe tee up for an acquisition, maybe get, a, you know, whatever it might be. But that was a... Uh, a lesson. I've had many lessons like that from sales leaders. So the message to the marketing people, yeah, I, I kind of disagree slightly when you said sales needs to think about how they should make marketing's job easier. And they can do that by giving information, by giving some data about how they see their customers buying and what messages are resounding. But I'll be perfectly frank with you, man. I think it's the other way. I think marketing really needs to understand what drives sales. I would say it's a nine to one balance. And if the marketing people don't understand what's driving revenue, 
then they're basically wasting the company's money. Yeah, no, I I, I do I do agree with that, and uh, and the way that market that sales can make marketing's job easier to support sales to use the right messaging is giving them that feedback, right? Rather than just complaining and saying, the leads suck, the leads suck, the leads suck, or 28 out of the 30 people here are not people that are gonna drive revenue. Well, who are the people that we need here? Or what problems are we solving? What are you hearing? What is the feedback that could get the right people here? That's the type of stuff sales can give marketing. Because a lot of times, a lot of the marketing messaging is marketing messaging and it doesn't resonate the same as like if me and you were on a sales call right now and having a conversation and really talking about you know what problems you have and how we might be able to help solve those and have a customized approach to doing that yeah you know it's a, it's a great comment uh, you know i remember when i was at apple my boss his name was gary hauser he said i want to make sure that you're in every sales meeting that there is and the sales leaders uh, at our company, they were very kind. I remember I went to the very first one and I kind of sat in the back, you know, yeah. on the periphery in a conference room and people were kind of looking like, oh, why, is, why is he here? And okay, let's get to our pipeline review, whatever it was. And yeah. then I said, and then it happened a couple of times. And I said, okay, I got to need to provide some value here. So I remember I did some research and I raised my hand at the third meeting or fourth meeting. And I said, have you guys thought about this? And I remember it was quiet, like, oh. And then the VP who was leading the meeting said, that's interesting. And he said, why don't you sit at the table here? So I went up and sat at the table and, you know, I knew my job wasn't to take over the meeting. They still had to go through pipeline and, you know, objections and all those kinds of things. But, you know, once I started showing value and consciously broad value, and it wasn't just because I'm a nice guy. I mean, they all, you know, they knew that my job was to do something. But when I started, you know, providing that insight and ideas, in a way that wasn't taking over the meeting because that wasn't my task. But, you know, then the relationships grew and I got smarter because I understood, you know, they started taking me on sales calls. And uh, obviously it's not a whole lot of face-to-face -face calls going on right now, right. Colin. But, you know, once I was in the offices of the customer, all of a sudden, you know, things emerge and you get to understand how they're using your product and who else is involved with using the product. And then you become better as a marketer. Yeah, yeah. And now with virtual events and stuff, you can you can put these things on and it doesn't cost as much as flying to Belgium and <laughs> putting people up and, and doing all that and you know, you can you can do a little more testing, right? To to figure out what works and what gets the right people to show up. Yeah, and actually, you know, that's an interesting it's a great comment and the other thing about marketing too, just to move on is um uh it's a journey, right? So, you know, we used, I used to do this presentation called the 42 touches. And it was this presentation that it took 42 engagements to move the needle to lead to a sale. And I've heard people say eight and all those things. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, it's, it's not one. You know, it's not two. It's not three. It's not five. You know, you need to keep on going. So marketing yeah. needs to understand, you know, what is the journey and, uh, you know, where in salespeople need to understand that, too. We deal with a lot of uh, SDRs and people earlier in their career and, you know, we need to help them understand that sales is a process. Uh, that's why, you know, one of the challenges is how we measure sales these days. But, uh, you yeah. know, what's, what's the journey? What, what has to happen at various stages and why does it happen? And that's where you get better as a sales professional. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of tools that can, can help this sort of thing mm -hmm. make better decisions based on data rather than sales reps feeling of deal stage. Right? No, that's a great point. <laughs> um, I had, uh, Todd Abbott on recently oh. uh, from from Insight uh, Squared, and 
you know, he, he was telling, I don't remember the exact numbers, but you know, for his, they have their sales process mapped out and they know that if they can get a prospect past meeting number four, they have a significantly higher close rate, right? And so marketing's got to figure out, sales got to figure out how do we get people from meeting four to five? Marketing needs to talk to sales and figure out what do you need to support what support do you need? You know, what is it that to get them from meeting four to five? Um, and, and there's, you know, data that can, there's tools that can track these type of things rather than just, ah, you know, they're kind of a nice, you know, Fred's a nice guy. I'm pretty sure he's going to go with us. I feel good. Let's put this in the 90% column. <laughs> no, man, that, that's such a great point. You know, it's, uh, I learned that lesson once um, that, you know, what is the honesty? By the way, if, if you get to the fourth sales call, uh, that's actually pretty good. You know, we've we've seen stats that it's not till people usually give up after the, the first when we know that it takes eight calls or eight engagements to to get to that point, if you will. So uh, I congratulate any company that gets to the fourth sales call because customers don't have that much time to waste. You know, yeah. a customer may be willing to, yeah, I'll give, it, I'll give this guy an hour or half an hour on a Friday, you know, because I want to kind of do something. I want to listen to a vendor. Uh, and that's when people go wrong. It's like, oh, my God, I got him on the phone and he loved what we do. Everybody loves what you do. You know, everybody loves possibility. Everybody loves new solutions if it's going to help them. Right. But, you know, do you have the budget? Do you have the need? Where's the priority? Where do you fit in with everything else? And, and the biggest thing that I think a lot of sales reps forget to consider is like, do they really care that much? Like, are you really moving? Is your solution really moving the needle for them that much? Because in most cases, buyers are thinking, eh, you know, looks good, sounds good. But what we have is working and, and this transition is just, you know, going to be more work for me. I'm not getting paid more in a lot of cases. You know, am I going to maybe look good? Maybe. But, you know, hey, if vendor doesn't deliver, I'm going to look really bad. So in most cases, you're you're competing against whatever their, you know, current option is of doing nothing, which is which is a hard sell in a lot of cases. Sometimes it's not just selling against your competitors. It's selling against them doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's classic. You know, the status quo that, you know, we don't have to do anything. Uh, and a matter of fact, that's, that's many times, you know, I get calls all the time. Uh, you know, you get, you get things in the mail, you know, is it time for you to replace your siding? Well, no, you know, <laughs> it's not that much of a process. I have other things, but it leads to an interesting question. It's not just, do they need to do anything, but it's understanding, really getting a deep understanding of your customer. And that's where I think a lot of sales professionals fall short. You know, as you know, we've been doing webcasts every day from the Institute for Excellence in Sales that we convert to our sales game changers podcast. And there's, it's incredible to believe that we've been doing them for 18 months, almost on a daily basis since the pandemic kicked in. But one of the critical things that has come up time and time again is that you need to understand what's going on at your customer. And you need to understand not just from a macro, but from a micro level as well. You know, what are they really dealing with right now? And actually one of the things that the pandemic taught us is not really what's going on in your, in your customer's world, but what's going on in your customer's customer's world. And in mm. some cases, what's going on in your customer's 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 world. You know, a lot of industries are still shifting, you know, because of the state of the pandemic, if you will, and recovery or non-recovery. So the great sales professionals, the ones that have any, uh, you know, any value are truly understanding not what they offer, but what their customer is going through. And, you know, it, it may not lead to your solution right now. And also, what is your customer dealing with from their down chain? And it's, there's no excuse for not knowing, you know, uh, I'll give you a quick example. Um, 
one of my uh, members of my uh, Institute for Excellence in Sales is a large uh, technology manufacturer, let's just say. And from my perspective, they have salespeople, so we at the Institute for Excellence in Sales can provide value. I had a conversation with one of their sales reps who said, we're gonna have some challenges in the next three years because we can't get supply from China. Mm. So they various places in China make certain number certain of their products that go into the the the, um, the uh, whatever the the, uh, the the parts that go into their their products. He said we're we're a year behind on getting some of these parts in. So even if there's demand, we won't have the product to sell. So it's like oh all right well that's a problem for right. a whole bunch of downchain if you will and that's a little bit of information that would make it easier to be of value to them as a sales professional. Yeah. I mean, and you see it even with like um, car manufacturers right now. They, oh, yeah. None of them have cars, you know, new cars are hard to come by on the lots because of the huge shortage of chips. Yep. And Same thing. their whole sales process, I hate to use the car salesman example here, but I'm going to because I was just looking for a car and I was like, wow, their whole world has been flipped upside down because of this. Where usually it's just, you know, they're just trying to crank out as many cars as possible. And sometimes they sell them even at a loss or a break even just because they get, you know, spiffs from the manufacturers to move the vehicles. Specifically when, you know, hey, we've got 2021s on the lot, we got 2022s coming in, we got to get them out of here even if we're break even or slight loss. And and uh and now, you know, they have a couple of cars of each new model. That's it, and they only get replaced what they sell. <laughs> No, that's a great. That's there's nothing wrong with that example, and uh, it's exactly what I was what I was just saying. So, if you're providing, so first off, if you're a customer, it's a whole different topic, which we're not really getting into. But if you're trying to sell into that marketplace, you need to understand those kinds of things. You know, it's easy to say, uh, well, you know, there's not a whole lot of cars on the lot. You need to understand why. And here's the great thing, Colin: the information's out there. You know, all of the information's out there. People are willing to talk. You could do any type of Google searching. There are yeah. so many articles that have been written about this. And if you're a sales professional worth your salt, then you will have done this research. And, you know, it leads to another interesting word that uh, I've always been fascinated with, the word curiosity. You know, I'll ask a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, sales leaders, what is a, a feature that a great sales professional should have? And curiosity comes up a lot. So yeah. we're actually beginning to get deeper into what does that mean and uh, and how does that play into the overall sales process? Yeah, and 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 just you know, curiosity is 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 a necessity if you want to be you know a great seller, um, and it needs to be coupled with great listening because you're not going to ask the right questions or be curious about the right things if you're not paying attention and listening more than you're speaking in any so, you know, sales conversation. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing to think about is, um, I, I got a great quote um, on one of our webcasts. This is probably, God, it's already September. It's probably back in March. And the guy's name was Gary Milwitt. And Gary is a sales leader at a company called JG Wentworth. And they do settlement things. You see their commercials at three in the morning, you get some type of, we win a lottery or a settlement, they'll buy it from you and give you cash up front instead of you getting over 20 years. But I asked him, I said, you know, what's your number one bit of advice for sales professionals? And he said, make everyone you're talking to feel important. Mm. He says, make, look, imagine they have like a little placard on their chest that says, make me feel important. Cause here's the number one rule of sales. It ain't about you. 
It ain't about you. I should probably hashtag that. Maybe even buy some t-shirts. It ain't about you. It ain't about your quota. It ain't I'd about what you shirt. are. I'd I'm sorry. Shirt. I'd wear that t-shirt. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it, it ain't about you. It's, it's a matter of fact, I think if you go through life, uh, I just, there's a quote that I've been really fascinated with recently. Um, it's an Einstein quote, which says uh, a life, I, I'm going to get it mashed up here, but it's something along the lines of, I think I actually even quoted it. Did I quote it on your LinkedIn post today? Yeah, I remember you saying that today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I posted on your LinkedIn post today. It actually was something like, um, a life not in service is a life not worth living or something yeah. along those lines. And that's really the best way to, to go about not just your, your sales life, but you know, your personal life as well. It ain't about you. Uh, the way before I said it's nine to one sales, it's a hundred your customer, like zero you. Let's say 99 to one. They, you, know, you want to yeah. build a relationship, but it ain't about you, my friends. To be successful in sales and life, it's about the other person. Yeah, I love I love all of that. I mean, treating people like they matter because you know this is a huge miss for a lot of sellers. As soon as they maybe don't think they have the budget, you know, don't think they qualify, you know, treat them, you know, uh, like an interrogation before they let them speak to an account executive. You know, all of the things that happen um, that just really make people feel like they don't matter or they're not important. And the goal should be to deliver a good experience in, in, you know, throughout the process, regardless of the outcome, you know, whether you work together, you don't, you do, and then you stop working together for some reason. Um, and, and that's a good reminder. It's not about you, you know, in that quote that you dropped, I don't remember it exactly, but, but yeah, I mean, helping others and serving people and having that sort of mindset, it, it feels good. You know, it, it feels good and it does something actually chemically in the brain uh, for you to, you know, be happier and be a better version of yourself because, you know, you have more meaning, you have more fulfillment in the work that you do. Absolutely. You know, that, that's you know, coming out of the pen. Well, I hate to say coming out because who knows how much longer <laughs> this is going to be. I mean, I know. <laughs> but, not, but, but, you know, one, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. We've uh, part of the pandemic. We did a lot of sales we did 50 live events in the DC area and I did 200 sales game changers podcast interviews. And, you know, they were all motivating and great. And we talked about prospecting strategies and social selling. And it was, you know, how do you become better as a sales professional over the last year, last 18 months, I should say, not just the last year, there's been so much more of a shift in what we talk about from a depth perspective. You know, yes, you still need to be crisp in your prospecting and your account planning and your use of social selling and mm -hmm. researching your customers and uh, partnerships and collaboration and value and all those things to become great as a sales professional. But, you know, you need to understand, like, what do things mean here? Right. What's the value that you're bringing and how do you communicate that? And you have to truly internalize that so that you can be of more value, not just to your company and your customers, but to your family and to, to your friends and to your life. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And, uh, I think that people are starting to realize that investing more in these type of things, you know, in themselves personally, uh, are going to help them perform better. You know, it's, it's great to talk about all the tactics and the social selling and how to negotiate better and all those things that are important. But if you, you know, take care of yourself personally, you're going to be better at all of those things and you may not be the best at them, but you will do them better and perform better. If you are focusing on some of these things that, you know, you guys are covering in more depth, even on your show as well. 
And you and I talked about that when you were on my show a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I encourage people to go to Sales Game Changers Podcast, salesgamechangerspodcast.com slash Colin Mitchell, Colin with two L's, C-O-L-L-I-N Mitchell, just to get you a little more of your perspective on that. And, you know, we talked a lot about meditation. We talked about getting centered. Yeah, we talked about morning routine as well. We talked about internal motivation. But, you know, how can you as a sales professional become a better human being and that will lead to you becoming a better sales professional. Colin, this was great. Thank you so much again. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Fred. Really appreciate it. Um, you, I know you told them where they can check that podcast out. Anything else you want to let them know so they can get into your world? And just to reiterate, you're not a busy guy, so <laughs> they can get in touch with you if they want. How can they? You know, is that an interesting thing? Is that like, do you want people to... To think that you're busy. I mean, um, I had this one friend that, uh, I was trying to get in touch with. I had a, she had a, uh, thing happen in her life and I wanted to just, you know, talk and just let her know this was, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I called a whole bunch of times and never heard back from her. I just wanted to express my, you know, uh, thoughts. And, uh, she finally sent me a note saying, I got your calls. I've been really busy. And I'm like, come on. I know you drive. You know, I know you take phone, you know, I know you don't, you're not busy 24 hours a day. And right. uh, we then talked about it, but it's like, you know, it's, it's uh, the whole concept of busyness, but it's interesting. But now just, um, I run the Institute for Excellence in Sales. People can find me on LinkedIn. Like you, I post every day, typically 7.30 in the morning. I posted something this morning. It was a poll where I asked people if they're funny, just to see how that fits in with their life to where's not humor, but being funny, where does that fit in? So find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect and I hope I get a whole bunch of people connecting because of this. Awesome. We will drop all the links there for you guys so you can get in touch with uh, Fred. And uh, I did respond to that poll. I think I'm funny sometimes. I don't know if others would agree, but I did respond to that poll. So uh, we'll drop the links there so you can get in touch with Fred, everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And we're always listening for your feedback. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.